and welcome to Better Together, Democrats and Republicans Who Love America, Episode 10. And I'm going to talk about um, this topic that has been in the news really a lot. I've been following it for years, of course, but really following it very closely this last year about um well, really, the simultaneous increase of rhetoric that's incredibly unstable and violent and um, inconsistent and destructive uh, by both Russia and China, uh, these two autocratic governments that have similar themes with uh, disputed territories within their own. With China, it's disputed territory of Taiwan, which is recognized as an independent democracy, um, its own micro country, if you will, um, by the rest of the world. And yet mainland China, President Xi Jinping and the Chinese Communist Party still view Taiwan as their extended territory falling under their regime and have made multiple threats to try to take Taiwan back um, and similar less intense threats to Hong Kong, which is also somewhat in the middle. Uh, I don't know if it's officially uh democracy, but it's certainly a little better than the mainland China communist regime. And so we see also um, Vladimir Putin putting pressure with Ukraine uh, to try to take back Ukraine as one of its territories as well. And America supports both Ukraine and America supports Taiwan because America supports democracy. And these democracies, um, and we don't support communism. We don't support um, these types of oppressive autocracy governments, right? In theory, at least. Because what is support? Is it just political opinion? Support is also finances and dollars and money. And so this kind of goes into the topic I'm going to be talking about, um, but glossing over many other themes to try to raise awareness Um so we're going to start with the Beijing 2022 Winter Olympics. Australia, UK, and Canada join the U.S. in diplomatic boycotts um, by Ben Westcott and Caitlin McGee, CNN, December 8th. Um, let me get the article up here. I'm just going to read the article first and talk about it. Australia, the United Kingdom, and Canada will join the U.S. in a diplomatic boycott of the 2022 Beijing Winter Olympics, the leaders of the three countries said Wednesday. Speaking at a news conference in Sydney, Australia, Prime Minister Scott Morrison said the government would keep its official representatives, representatives at home, although Australian athletes will still attend the Games in February. Morrison said human rights abuses and issues in Xinjiang were some of the concerns raised by the Australian government with Beijing. I'm very happy to talk to the Chinese government about these issues, and there has been no obstacle to that occurring on our side, but with the Chinese government, the consistence, they have consistently not taken those opportunities to meet with us about those issues, he said. Australia was joined later Wednesday by the UK and Canada, which said their diplomats and officials would not be attending the Games. There will be effectively a diplomatic boycott. There will be a diplomatic boycott of the Winter Olympics in Beijing. No ministers are 
expected to attend, UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson told the House of Commons. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announced a diplomatic boycott of the Games and said he was extremely concerned by the repeated human rights violations by the Chinese government. For months, activists have called for a boycott of the Games over human rights abuses by the Chinese government in Xinjiang and Tibet and its political crackdown in Hong Kong. Beijing has been accused by the U.S. and other Western nations of imprisoning more than a million Muslim-majority Uyghurs in detention centers in Xinjiang, where some former detainees claimed they were tortured, raped, and forcibly sterilized. Beijing denies these allegations, saying that the camps are re-education centers designed to fight separatism and Islamic terrorism in the far western region. On Wednesday, the Chinese embassy in Australia criticized Canberra's decision to boycott the Games and said it would not improve already chilly relations between the two countries. As we all know, the blame for the current predicament of China-Australia relations lies squarely on the Australian side, the statement said. Speaking at a news conference Wednesday, the Chinese Foreign Ministry spokesperson Zhao Lijian said no one would dare, no one would care whether they come or not. Australian politicians' political stunt for the selfish gains have no impact whatsoever in the Olympics to be successfully held in Beijing, he said. While the International Olympic Committee, IOC, said in January that awarding a country, the Games, did not meet and endorsed their human rights standards. Activists said giving the high-profile event to China adds legitimacy to the actions of the ruling Communist Party. The moves by the Australia, the, by Australia, the UK, and Canada follow a decision Monday by the Biden administration to not send official U.S. delegation to the Games, the first country to confirm a diplomatic boycott. Thank you, President Biden. We we support that. Support the boycott. Uh, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said the U.S. boycott was a statement against China's ongoing genocide and crimes against humanity in Xinjiang. U.S. US athletes will still be allowed to compete in the Games, but the administration will not be sending government officials. The same policy applies for 2022 Winter Paralympics scheduled for Beijing in March. Following the U.S. decision, China's foreign ministry said Tuesday it had launched solemn representation with Washington and vowed to take resolute countermeasures without saying that those measures would be what what they would be. The U.S. will host the 2028 Summer Games and in Los Angeles, while the 2032 Games will take place in Brisbane, Australia. Speaking on Wednesday, Morrison said Australia is great sporting nation and he wishes the IOC all the best for the Beijing Winter Games. I very much separate the issues of sport and the issues that are between the two governments. Australia will not step back from the strong position it had, standing up for the Australian's interests, Morrison said. All right, so let's discuss. Um, so why would it be important to boycott, um, said um, Olympic Games in countries such as Russia and China and other um, autocratic governments. Well, a lot of it is what it what we were saying. What I was saying before is what is support? Okay, support is also financial. So any any country that gets the honor of hosting an Olympic Games is um, making a lot of money in doing so. A lot of money. So, you know, support can be looked at financially. Are we financially supporting the Chinese Communist Party by allowing them to have the games there? Meaning the IOC, not just America, but the IOC. 
<coughs> and should this continue? You know, do we mindlessly just continue to allow countries that treat their people horribly with torture methods and other types of um, human rights abuses of China having a terribly long history of this and also a terribly equally as long denial about this um, when it's absolutely happening? Um, how long do we continue to separate out and reward financially, if not emotionally, but financially with our dollars? Um, and with our viewing habits, you know, with advertising and whatnot, even if you're home in your own little world watching the games, that's still support that that gets marked as um, a view. Um, and, you know, this is translated into dollars going to these evil governments that are evil, who have the option not to be evil and are choosing to be evil and oppressive and torturous and cult-like um, similar to Hitler, similar to Caligula, similar to all of the evil leaders that have ever lived that um, don't off award their people basic freedoms, basic dignity, and um, basic human rights. You know, these these countries are profiting off of the Olympic Games. Should they continue to do so is the question. Um. It's great in theory to set politics aside and just have every country give of its best for sport. I understand the concept, but is this appropriate at this time now? You know, when there's so much money involved, perhaps 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 50 years ago, there were less dollars to be made, perhaps. Um, I think when the money is significant, in the advertising and with the internet and everything else, is this now inappropriate? Should there be some baseline standards of ethical humanity required by each country to be able to apply and participate in the Olympic Games? And I think this is the real central issue here. You know, does the IOC, the Olymp International Olympic Committee, now need to evolve to a point where it isn't enough to just exist to be able to participate in sport. You have to have a baseline. You have to have a baseline of, of ethical behavior for your country to qualify to participate in the Olympic Games. And I would say that's where we need to go with us. No more just letting anyone in the door to compete. They have to be treating their people to a baseline standard of, of ethical behavior. Um <coughs> And I, I would say if that was in, in, in place properly now, that China would definitely not qualify, nor would Russia, nor would any country that actively oppresses its people to support its own dynasty or, um, you know, kind of czar-like regime. And, you know, part of evolution in politics and in humanity is that we do attempt to learn from past mistakes and evolve to prevent that in the future and still raise the bar on ethics, you know. Um, so I am definitely boycotting the games. And I boycotted Sochi um, when it was in when it was held in Russia, the winter games in Sochi. Um, and I love the Olympics. People know I went to the Vancouver Olympics in 2010 actually got to go and it was really incredible. Missed a couple events because of some scheduling issues and transportation issues, I believe, but I did get to see Apollo Ono um, 
awarded the silver at BC Palace. That was pretty cute. I like that. Um, so I'm a huge Olympic Games fan, but to watch, just to watch for watching sake and to check out on all the human rights issues, I don't think is appropriate anymore. And I think also banning um, China and Russia and these autocracies from being able to participate sends them a very strong message that, you know what, the world is not going to stand for your behaviors any longer. And I think we're already, we're already seeing this, which I'm happy. We saw a lot of it. In tw- well, we really have seen a lot of it since the pandemic um, in the way the Chinese government has so... Um, deceive the world with the facts of how the pandemic actually occurred and and how it was mismanaged and how it was allowed to proliferate. And just the constant uh, refusal for baseline investigations. Um, and just this kind of, you know, in, I really consider the modern day Chinese Communist Party similar to a Jim Jones type of cult where they exist on propaganda and they exist on power and they exist on supporting their 1% that definitely does not have the interest of their 99 in mind in in an extreme way. And, um, their, their goal being to maintain power at any price while the world watches on. And we're seeing our country, thank goodness, I'm proud of to say, um, not just with the Biden administration, but with the Trump administration as well, um, take a very strong stance against China and starting to boycott not only the Olympic Games, which Nancy Pelosi suggested as well, but also to boycott China entirely, to divest from China entirely in little and large ways, and to put pressure on American companies to divest from China, because a lot of that results in Chinese labor, um, often child labor, and and human rights abuses in the production and the manufacturing of products. You know, um, we're, I think we're kind of reflecting since the pandemic of, you know, are those Walmart rollback prices really worth it if it's made in China? And if it's made in China, the money is going to the Chinese Communist Party. Okay, and so then how can you consider yourself being a red-blooded American with your American flag, often Republican, shopping at Walmart with your rollback prices when your labels are made in China, made in China, made in China, and you've just given a lot of money to the Chinese Communist Party <laughs> for your rollback prices. It's, it's hypocritical at best. And we have other options, we have made in America, we have made in Australia, we have made in Europe, we have made in our allied countries, we have made in countries that aren't China, Russia, and these evil countries. You know, we have, if you define evil as um, the greatest oppression to its citizens. So I feel like, you know, America is leading the way in um, kind of raising the conscience of the other allied nations, Australia as well, to really say no more, no more. And I think it's confusing to China. I think they're used to throwing us the newest, latest, greatest shiny object to distract us and get us back into the rollback prices and look at the bargains and look at the low wage. Yeah, because it's at the backs of oppression. You know, it's, it's, it's coming from that. And that's no longer acceptable. And I think China's like, 
but it's been acceptable all this other time. How come you guys are changing now? What is so different? I think they're confused and shaken and not understanding where suddenly this surge of morality is coming from, where quite honestly, before we have been buying into the Chinese Communist Party. And and I think we Americans and others are taking ownership for the fact that we have um, played into the evil that China has continually perpetuated by supporting it financially, by getting enticed by the deals, by getting enticed to the rollback prices, by getting enticed to goods that barely work properly, immediately go to the landfill and are, are cheap and are not made to last, not good quality, and are made with oppression versus having less of higher quality often made by our European allies or Americans, you know, making making items that last and making them well and making them and having less and being happy with that. So, you know, I think Americans are, re- are reflecting and realizing that you cannot be, you know, pro-American and, and at the same time have your dollars go to support the Chinese Communist Party. And made in China exactly means that. And at the same time, at the benefit of a few top CEOs that are Republicans that are kind of the, the deal makers in this, right? Because a lot of these dollars are going through big corporations. Again, not not small mom and pop industries. So divesting from big corps also means investing in small businesses, also means divesting from China. And China's seen this all through 2021. Now, was that just a response to the the way they handled the or mishandled the pandemic? I think definitely there's some themes that play into that. But I think the pandemic was kind of the big slap in the face to the world to go, look what they're doing. Look what they're doing. Look how they're acting. Look how they're dealing with such a such a crisis that affects the entire world. And what can we do to teach them a lesson? You know, divest. Hit them in the wallet. Um, you know, hit them financially. And I think I, I've followed China's news. I follow CNN, meanwhile, and China's newsletter as well. But I'm very up on a lot of their their day-to-day rhetoric. And it's been everything from blood gushing in the streets and this and your heads will roll to this ultra, you know, peace, love, dope, let's be all one happy, you know, world under. I mean, just like everything that has been so, it, it, it reeks of desperation. The, the, the reports coming out from Xi Jinping, from his spokespeople and whatnot, just seem to be all over the map. There's not a consistent message, except um, the only consistency I've read with China in 2021 has been inconsistency. One minute they're wanting to be peace and love, and the next minute they're ready to, you know, go to nuclear war. One minute they're, you know, oh, we don't have enough weapons, we better be nice, and the next is, well, we'll make more, so we don't. Have. I mean, it's just, it just, it's desperate as all get out, right? And I think we all see that, you know, all along, we've had a choice to end this Communist Party. I don't mean we America, I mean, we the world. And what what did it have to take for the world to finally wake up and go, you know what, these autocracies are blatant failures. They're failing the people they're governing. There's no nothing beneficial coming out of this. They just perpetuate evil dynasties, or evil regimes. 
Look at North Korea. I mean, Kim Jong-un, like that family history, horrible. (coughs) You know, does the world need to have these types of governments any longer? Is part of the new world order wiping out these autocracies and making them parliament democracies so that the only players who get to play in the new world order are parliament democracies with some basic standards of human decency and treating their citizens. So, you know, this is what I believe is uh, going to result in a World War III because no no autocrat is going to peacefully want to walk away and, um, you know, they'll go down with the, they'll go down fighting. Let's be clear. There's no, there's no diplomacy or financial bankrupting that's going to make them just quit and give up. When you're a dynasty leader, it's pride on the line. When you're a leader of an autocracy, all you have is power. That's all you value. Um, you're going to go down fighting. So I think we all have to understand that. You know, I mean, you know, Hitler was not going to give up his regime because of some sort of conscious awakening you know, or some magical diplomacy. He had to be fought down until he had to retreat. And many believed his death was faked. And, um, you know, these autocracies feed off their own power, feed off their own egos, feed off their own agendas, none of which is to better the people that they are actually governing. (coughs) And usually it takes a good series of world wars to clean that out. Unfortunately, we've had two... um, and uh, allies prove victorious each time. You know, our allied governments and our democracies in each world war have proven autocracies to fail. And I just, I think in this, you know, uh, kind of prophesized new world order to come, you know, there really isn't room at the table for these autocracies to exist anymore. Um, I think we do need to have a baseline of standards, not only for the Olympic Games, but to exist at all and to be part of the UN at all, you know, the United Nations. It's kind of the similar theme. Do we just let anyone in? Maybe you need to have a baseline of how you treat your people before you're allowed to be part of the United Nations. You know, standards are raising, are being raised. China is kind of dumbfounded because for them, they don't understand what they're doing differently. For them, they're continuing on as they always have. So why are all the democratic nations suddenly getting a conscience about how they're treating people? Well, because um, they are, because that's the nature of evolution is to care and to become invested um, and to better the world, often through strategic violence in order to do so. Uh, which, by the way, is not a bad thing. It often takes strategic violence to knock out these autocratic leaders that do not value diplomacy, do not value the words, do not value the language. They value the sword. They value violence. Right. So, um, you know, the, most of 2021 has been threat of world powers going to war and the autocracies, the autocracies versus the democracies and who would win. I can very, very confidently say that democracies will win. We always have won because we don't fight just for ourselves. We fight for the people. We fight for people's basic human decency and their rights. And so, you know, how many defectors would they have if we went to World War Three with China, Russia, and Iran, perhaps, and the rest, and North Korea, and the rest? I mean, the defectors would be numerous, because they would want 
to be liberated out from under that system, and only a few key retention dynasty leaders would be invested to perpetuate the the regimes. So they're already outnumbered from within, not just from without. Um, I guess my pr- position about this is I don't believe it. Pe- uh, I don't believe in peace at any price. I think peace at any price is too high to pay, too much injustice to the people. I believe that war should be strategic and should be um, minimized and um, targeted directly and to quelch those who words do not work with them, right? So what would be the outcome of a new world order where we go to World War Three and we vanquish the enemies of Russia and China and Iran and North Korea and the others that are just not reasonable, that are not reasonable and are threatening with nuclear we- weapons and their and their misuse of them. You know, what if we go to this World War Three and we wipe them out? I don't mean just America, of course. I mean all of the allies. We know in America we have a terrible track record. When we take on any one country, we lose. You know, Vietnam, North Korea, Afghanistan. Those were all American led efforts that what did we get out of that? Not much. So we can't take on countries ourselves. We have three failures, three very expensive failures to have learned we can't do it. But when we work together with Europe and Australia, Canada and Scandinavia and our allies, then, you know, we win large and we win large for the world. And I mean, I think we all can say we're better off without Hitler and the Nazis. So, you know, this kind of concept for the future should embolden us to know that um, talk and financial, you know, uh, bankrupting can only get us so far. We still need to rid ourselves of these autocrats and transform their governments into some sort of Australia Europe parliament-like government for the benefit of the people to be enfranchised in their own say of how they're ruled, you know? (coughs) Democracies have proven to be just. Not perfect, but definitely more equitable than autocracies any any day of the week. We saw also recently in 2021 the uprising of the Cuban people against the government. So there is no success in communism. The people rebel against it. Um... I'm not suggesting we create other American two-party system governments. I think the, you know, the parliament model is far superior in our allied nations. But I feel like, you know, we do want to encourage going to war, I would say sooner rather than later, only because sooner means we're more equipped to take them out faster, you know. And that violence at times is needed um, with certain regimes that just will not, Um, either admit their atrocities, like China has a terrible record of denying their atrocities. And, you know, also, just for the the greater good of the citizens there, that that don't even have the basic freedom to go on the internet without being censored. Um, You know, the freedoms that we often take for granted in America and the free world that should be part of every government. Yeah. So, I think f- definitely we're seeing stage one roll out in World War Three, and I think that stage one is an economic war. I think World War Three has actually already started; it's just not official yet. And we're we're um, processing of we're we're promoting the process of divesting from China in all things, in all ways. 
and and should with the other enemy nations. <coughs> and Americans are huge consumers. So removing our buying power from their advantage sends a significant message. It does. Um, you know, I've written actually uh, Amazon to say, can you please add in your drop-down filter of, in, in addition to lowest price and featured item and whatnot, can you add you know, made in country of origin, and people can pick the country of origin of which they want to um, support, you know, made in USA, made in Australia, made in the UK, you know, made in Canada, can we can we actually with Amazon pick countries of origin products so that when we select that we can shop knowing that we're shopping for our values and our allies, you know, they didn't respond, but I did make a mention of that. Um, do not be afraid of World War III. I personally believe it'll be the most glorious war we've had. And I think it'll be for the greatest cause, which is the liberation of 2 billion Chinese, for heaven's sake. And, um, you know, really a lot bring a lot of economic prosperity to a lot of Russians who can maybe stop hacking for five minutes and actually have real jobs and not be under this oppressive uh, Vladimir Putin's regime. You know, So these are good things. You have to look past the violence and look to the outcome of what will happen after. The sooner it gets started, the sooner it's finished. It's ended. The sooner it's started, the sooner it's ended. And you know um, how nuclear weapons will play a role or not, that part is beyond me. I don't know. But I know that of being cowardly or being or of, of being afraid of war is not the answer, you know, and certainly hitting them economically first as a first strategy is a wonderful, you know, first step, but it's not the only step. And what will be the outcome beneficial once all of this is accomplished and we liberate China, we liberate Russia, we liberate Iran, you know, what will happen is it will just be, um, a baseline of human ethics for the existing new world. And it will also be easier than to spot and, and and recognize little new emerging autocracies to be able to put them out quicker. Because I truly believe this is a human condition. Like, there are always going to be the next Hitler, the next Caligula, the next Kim Jong-un, the next Xi Jinping, the next Vladimir. You know, this is a human thing. You know, for whatever reason, these autocratic governments never learn their lesson. And they always think, okay, well, I'll be the next one to take over the world, this kind of Dr. Evil, you know, view. Um, I don't think that is ever going away. But if we have the majority of the world on board with parliament democracies, then it will be easier for all of us to work together to spot the new Caligula emerging and, you know, scuttle them out for the benefit of all. So if we can kind of hold on to that, that's my vision of world peace, which is, I think, in our reach, you know. Um, it's attainable. But um, continuing to allow these countries to just exist on in their autocracies, I think, is, is a disservice. And I think part of the evolutionary process is recognizing we no longer wish to tolerate you. And we certainly do not wish to support you with our dollars. And paying the cheapest is not the best. And it's not, it's not, it can't be the primary motivation any longer. We'll go without and we'll buy high quality from our allies. Thank you very much. So 
I encourage everybody to boycott the Beijing Olympics, boycott any future Olympics that's run by an autocratic government, because that is power. That is saying with your viewership, I'm not choosing to watch that placate that. I'm not going to buy those products that are supporting. I was very upset at Coca-Cola for not being willing to pull out of the sponsorship of the Olympics for Beijing. So boycott Coke until they do. Coca-Cola company. Uh, Because that, again, all of this translates into support of a communist regime that's oppressing people. And I have a personal story to share um, that really taught me the evils of autocracy at a young age. I was, I might have shared this before, I was 16 years old in my algebra class. I went to Ukiah High School. I was born and raised in San Francisco, one year in LA, two years in Concord, and then we went up when I was 12, almost 13, to Mendocino County, California. We lived in our vacation home, which was a 10-acre parcel. used to be an old vineyard. It was our relative's um, vacation home that we had. We would vacation up there just to kind of be in the country. My grandparents really enjoyed it. <clears throat> we would hike at Lake Mendocino, go camping at times there, boat in Blue Lakes, um, not, you know, just kind of a nice three hour getaway from the city. And then we relocated and actually occupied the vacation home when my mom wanted to move us up north to Mendocino County and started a new life up there. And so I went to Ukiah High School and I graduated class of 1993. But when I was 16, this would have been, you know, 1991, 1992 ish. I didn't, you know, realize this is this is before the internet. And this is where people just didn't go to like China, France, all of these countries, unless they were super wealthy or really had means, it wasn't as easy to do international travel back in the early 90s. It was a pretty much of kind of a big deal. So I was 16, I would sit next to my classmate, Jesse Schaefer. He was the son of um, John Schaefer, who was the CEO of Real Goods, which was an environmental company, um, and had done very well. So I'd say he was of means, and um, nice kid. And his stepfather, because his mother had divorced and remarried, and remarried the algebra teacher, actually, that was in the class. So his stepfather was the teacher. And we were really excited because Jesse was going to go to China. And he was excited because he wanted to see the Great Wall. And he wanted to be able to, you know, um, experience these things. And we were all very impressed because that was a big deal. And that's not something that everyone normally went to. We could afford it or would go or just it was just not that common. So we were all excited about it. He would talk about his plans, his trips, we were all invested in it vicariously, right? So he was gone. And then one day, um, his mother who also worked at the high school, and I believe she was a special ed teacher, announced with um, the stepfather that and it was it was so dramatic and so sad. It was announced that, you know, Jesse would not be returning from class because on his trip to China, he was actually captured by the Chinese Communist Party, who wanted to play um, a game that he was some sort of a American spy sent over from this small Northern California town to undermine 
the communist regime? Well, obviously, no. He was an all-American kid that went over to see the Great Wall of China and see the sights. They they lied, and they they um, captured him and had no reason to do so. He wasn't a threat. He wasn't doing anything he shouldn't, and basically captured him, tortured him until he committed suicide in one of their um, either prisons or camps. Yeah, so they didn't kill him per se. He killed himself, but he was driven to kill himself to stop the torture. Um, that really impacted the entire class. We were all beside ourselves. I was so shocked that I actually couldn't even process the grief until 2020, you know, all these years later, when I finally could mourn him, because it was such a shock that I, at my 16 year old mind could not process that. I just couldn't process that level of evil that anyone would have to this really kind, caring, innocent American kid who just wanted to see the Great Wall of China. And I didn't know that this is actually not an uncommon occurrence back then, and maybe even now, where it doesn't take much for the Chinese Communist Party to decide to label somebody a spy and then just do all this type of evil to them because they can. Um, so he killed himself. It was horrible. And that's a real story. And that was my first understanding of the levels of evil that China possessed. And all of us were just beside ourselves. Um, our teacher was crying and just, you know, it was just horrible. And this has happened with many Americans. And, you know, I think we, we, we don't put up with this anymore. You know, <coughs> yeah, I vowed never go to China until they become a parliament democracy. I mean, I will never, I will never set foot in the land, having known and experienced what I experienced via my classmate. No, and um, you know, it, it's just, it's just a, a situation where. You know, that evil has been tolerated so far doesn't mean it gets to continue to be tolerated, you know. Um, these countries have had enough time to prove uh, worth to the world, and they failed. So I welcome World War III. I don't view myself as a warmonger. I view myself as a peacemonger. But understanding the price of this type of peace necessitates war with these types of people that only understand the sword. Then give them the sword. And cut them down. And when I say that, I mean the leaders. I don't mean the innocent 2 billion Chinese subject under them. I don't mean the innocent Russian subject under them. Left no other job than hacking all the time. Um, but I think we end this. And we welcome World War III. And we welcome the vanquishment of these governments with great delight so that we all can have this new world order that we've been hearing about for a long time, which is, you know, just made up of parliament democracies to help fight climate change, to work better on trade, to have a baseline of human decency. And then when the next Caligula rears up, we all take them out and we just do that. And I view that as, you know, the vision for world peace. 
at times it necessitates war. We don't have to like it. We don't like it, but it's true, nonetheless. Anyway, um, thought I would share about that. Um, I just could say from my 2021 news reveal observations from China that they're as unstable as it gets. No consistent message. Um, and a desperation to try to hold on to their power at any cost. And I say, I say we bring in World War III. All right. Other than that, I hope everyone has a great holiday. It's Christmas tomorrow. It's New Year's soon. Um, boycott China in many ways. Divest. Look at labels. If it says made in China, pass. Buy American. Buy European. Buy Australian. Buy Canadian. Buy countries with our values. You know, don't support it with the dollars. Um, petition the IOC to say you need to have a baseline of entry for people to qualify to compete in the Olympics. And China, Russia, Iran, and these other countries don't qualify. You know, raise the bar. Make your voice be heard. All right. Thank you all.